Very happy to be here with you tonight and uh, share the Dharma. I'm particularly happy because it was touch and go for me being here. I, I'm uh, recovering from a flu, and and I just checked. I'm still running a low-grade fever. <laughs> so, so, what's that? So the first, so the first part of my public service announcement is: run, don't walk to get. Not from me. I've got that too. That too. I'm, I'll stay away from you. But uh, to get a flu shot, really, I, I, I. Well, I, I wish I had got one. This is my second flu in in two in one in a month and in six in five weeks. It's my second flu. So, I know, not good. So, but, but. That has inspired the topic of tonight's talk. So it's not all bad. <laughs> so um, so the topic for tonight's talk is um, finding the inner island in a mind storm. Or practice in case of mind emergency. So, so basically it's when we try to find a place of inner peace and stability when the mind and body are bobbing up and down in the waves of storms of the mind and, and it, it, there's a storm and there's no safe place to land. It's just... Has anybody had this experience in this room? Anybody else? Anybody? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, so I had the privilege of having this experience a few days ago. Um, so I was on the East Coast a few days ago, and I woke up that morning with a sore throat, not feeling well. That was not a good omen. And um, I uh, got on the plane that day. So that's how this talk came about. But before I get to that, I also want to tell you, um, I think in general, I think it's good. Um, I think it's important for for teachers also to share not just the not just to teach from the bliss of experience, but the difficulty of experience sometimes and how practice can come through because we're all on this path together. You know, um, it's not an attitude better than thou. I, I, I suffer also. Um, and until we're arahant, having reached the fourth and last stage of enlightenment, anyone... Anyone in this room yet? No, we don't. Okay, until <laughs> until we're an arahant, there will be suffering. So, so the question is, how do we find the way in the midst of it when things are going so so with, with a lot of with, there's a lot of difficulty in the body and the mind? How do we find the way to find stability? And the storms sometimes the storms can be physical. The body can be so unstable with a high fever and chills, that the mind can become completely unstable. Or it could be an emotional storm that can completely make the, the body 
contracted and painful and difficult. Or both together can arise, would be double dukkha. <laughs> so, so it's not so much that as we practice, we become com- completely immune to, to, to difficulty and to suffering, but, but that we do find that inner island, that safe place with more ease. In fact, there is a research study from <clears throat> Richie Davidson's lab um, in Wisconsin where they had experienced meditators and they exposed them to stressful events and they compared them to non-meditators. And the experienced meditators, a couple of differences. One was they had decreased expression of pro-inflammatory genes. Okay, in layman terms, their body suffered less from inflammation. Because when you get stressed out, your body becomes inflamed. And the second thing is they had faster cortisol recovery. When you become stressed out, cortisol gets released. But then as an experienced meditator, that re- recovery from that cortisol release, it comes down faster than if you were a non-meditator. You, com- you, you, you stay more in, in a stressed out um, state. And later in the talk, if we have time, I can tell you what the stress test that they used is because I was one of the the um, experienced practitioners in their study a few years ago. And um, the, the tree or social tr- stress test is quite a stressful social test. So I'll save that for later if we have time, if anybody wants to ask towards the end of the talk. But but um, but for now, I'll, I'll come back to, to the personal story of of how this talk came about. So, so I have a sore throat. I I'm, I got on the plane, and um, and uh, and it's uncomfortable enough to be on on planes i think these days with being packed like sardines and then high altitude and the noise but when you you start to run a high fever i think the body just completely lost it and my mind it had nowhere to land it was so uncomfortable everything every experience started to feel painful it was very very difficult i don't know if you had an experience like this because when the when the body becomes so inflamed, so uncomfortable, the mind can also lose its lose its stability. And and I noticed so there had been some stressful things also happening on the trip, but but my mind in this state was blowing them out of proportion. I was making a storm uh, stories out of these stressful events going on and on, and my body was so uncomfortable. There was pain everywhere, every muscle, even my face hurt. So just give you, give you a sense of just complete state of dukkha in the mind, in the body. Um, so it was a complete storm with nowhere for the mind to land. 
Okay, now what? Now what? So with my mind squarely in the red zone, the first step, the first step was just to recognize, just to take stock, even though the mind is still has, you know, the mind has very little stability at that point, and is getting kind of lost in, in, in aversion because everything is so painful and difficult. It was the first step was just to recognize that the mind is going off into badlands, where there is no reward, and just to bring it back just to recognize what is happening. This is what's happening right now. This is what's happening. And even that takes, takes some stability of the mind just to recognize what's going on. That's the first step. This is what's going on. The mind is unstable. The body is in pain. Okay, this is, this is the situation. Mayday, mayday. This is the situation. This, this is the situation. So, and at that point... For me, what helped was to bring the attention back to mindfulness of the body, to bring the mind to to bring mindfulness to the body. And the body, there was a lot of pain and discomfort, and the, the mind didn't want to stay with the body because it was not a fun place to be. But still, bringing it back and staying with the breath, staying with the breath, counting the breath, trying to tether the mind so that it wouldn't go to the badlands. It would tether the mind to the breath, to the rhythm of the breath, to the rhythm of the breath. And it was very interesting because then what, what happened at that point, there was this, this memory of the breath being a safe place from, from years of meditation practice, the breath became this refuge, became this safe place that my mind was going to and finding some safety and, and refuge. And yet the mind would just go off and, and lose it and go to difficult spaces and then bring it back, bring it back. So the, the rhythm of the breath, which was a lullaby, as I was sharing with you during the guided meditation, it can be like a lullaby that provides some soothing. And in this case, for me, it brought a little bit of stability, enough for the later stages of practice to slowly come in, little by little by little. What happened next was the mind had enough stability just to see that, wow, I was really suffering. I was really, really suffering. It wasn't the story about stressful things that happened or this person or that person or this or, or the airplane. It was just that in that moment, there was a lot of suffering that this being was going through. And it's interesting. So where my mind went next after recognizing that there was a lot of suffering going on was was both interesting, somewhat new in some ways, but it was also a combination of hours of compassion and self-compassion practice. So realize that 
think somewhere my wisdom mind realized that there needed to be a sense of safety and care. So I started to think about my grandmother. The body, the mind brought back memories of my grandmother in this very, very difficult body and mind space. I started to think about my grandmother and then memories of my grandmother holding me and this memory that actually I've, I haven't really thought about or contemplated is my grandmother bathing me. So I was a preemie baby born after seven months. And apparently I was so tiny and fragile that my mom didn't dare touch me. Uh, but my grandma, who had raised lots of kids, could f- touch me and bathe me the first couple months. So the memory of that, just the... F- physical feeling of being cared for, being safe, being being washed, being clean, being fed, all of that, it just started to, the physical memory of that started to come back. Um, feeling warm, clean, content, that feeling of inner contentment started to pour out from a place deep, deep, deep down inside from very, very early memories. So there are a lot of theories nowadays that trauma is stored in the body. And there's also some research suggesting that, for example, um, PTSD therapies, um, somatic-based, physical-based therapies for trauma work a lot better than just talk-only therapies, which are head-based, you know, recalling what happened, but actually really accessing the body memories. So not only does trauma difficult events, not only those are saved in the body, but also feeling of contentment and happiness and joy is stored in the body. And I think we all have that. We all have that. If you've ever seen a little baby when when newborns are, are hungry, if you've noticed their fists are tight like this, just like this. And then when, when, when they suckle on their mother's breast and then they become fed, ah, the hand opens and they become completely soft and limp. And sometimes a smile shows up on their face. Has anyone else seen this? It just, it looks beautiful. So we have all, every single one of us has experienced that feeling of contentment and and complete safety and happiness and joy. Just life is perfect. I'm fed, I'm clean, I'm held. This is great. And that, that visceral, that feeling, that body memory is, is for us in there accessible. It also reminds me of, of what the Buddha talked about, about his memory um, when he was... Um, sitting under the Bodhi tree and contemplating the way to enlightenment, um, he ha- had a memory 
of when he was a child under the rose apple tree. So he was left under the cool shade of the rose apple tree where he was resting and feeling secluded, happy, and he falls into the first jhana, which is this first absorption, which is a state uh, with rapture and pleasure born of seclusion, as he, sa as he says in Majjhima Nikaya 36. So it's for him, he remembered that, that both physical memory and memory that led him to, oh, it's possible the path to enlightenment isn't through austerity and and mm, toughing it out, but through that ease, contentment. So these memories, these body memories, it's not just the Buddha that has the memory of that contentment and pleasure from the jhanas, but we all have them. We all have them. We don't we don't access them. We don't try to bring up the image of our mothers or or grandmothers holding us, but and I usually don't do that e either. But in this case, I was so pushed to my edge, and nothing else seemed to be working. That the tools out of the tool bag, I really had to pull out the tools out of my self-compassion tool bag, and work with them to the best of my ability. So, what that did was was really in the midst of the high fever and high altitude and all of that it just brought this sense of contentment I remember smiling and feeling comfortable so there are a few more things I want to say but actually what I just thought about it might be interesting if you like if you would like to um, to go through a, a small guided meditation together just now about this. How about it? If you'd like to close your eyes for a moment. So getting into your meditation posture and allowing your body to be as comfortable as possible. As comfortable as possible and then some. Allowing your mind to connect with your breath. The rhythm of your breath. In and out.
you, if you like, either to bring a memory of a time when you felt really safe, happy, held, protected, either as as an adult or a child, or imagine yourself as a baby being held, being fed, Maybe you can even feel the softness and the warmth. Of the loving being that held you. I invite you to visualize whatever works for you, whatever brings that feeling of safety, being loved, being cared for, being held. Use your imagination to fill in the gaps. And notice what happens in your body, in your mind. Conjuring up feeling of safety and care for yourself.
I invite you to open your eyes if you like when you're ready. Coming back to the space. couple of you are willing. We have Mike here. Um, yeah, thank you, Olga. Or actually, yeah, thank you, George. Um, what was that like for you? Did something come up? Was, did anything surprise you? There's one hand over there. mom died when I was 12 mm. and I remember watching Captain Kangaroo with her and holding her she was uh, I'm the last of six kids yeah and um, she was real sick with cancer in the end but watching Captain Kangaroo and cuddling with her was so dear and um, those were she died when I was 12, but my grandma and my aunt used to take care of me, and I remember seeing the mobile over the crib. I could see that in my meditation and cuddling with my mom and loving her before she died. I didn't know she was so sick, but anyway, she ended up uh, giving me away for adoption, which was hard, um, and she asked my Boy Scout um, troop leader to be my new parent or whatever. And that was really hard for her to give me away when she was dying. I never knew I was being given away. Mm. And I was separated from six kids. And all my brothers and sisters loved me. But um, then later, when my brother was old enough, he became my legal guardian when he was 18. And he took care of me, and my sisters did. And they cuddled me and loved me. Mm. So my family means a lot and, and you touched me and I thought of my grandmother too and my mom and thank you sweet thank you thank you <sighs> any other reflections whatever came up for you, something that may have surprised you, or not. Well, I'm lucky enough to have just become a grandmother this week. Mm. <laughs> And um, so it's very interesting having this talk and this part of the talk for me, it feels real pertinent. Um, but when we did the um, uh, guided meditation, I felt the, I went right to a time 
or a, a grandmother holding me. And um, it's very visceral on the left side of my body, and I can still feel feel that. And I have clear image of the the room and the house. <clears throat> but um, the feeling of her and the softness of her body was is very tactile still, mm. and I can still feel the the quality of that from the meditation a few minutes ago. Very. Very pronounced. Thank you. Any other reflections? Over here, George. I don't know if anyone else experienced this, um, but perhaps some of you can relate. Um, I couldn't recall being held in my youth as a child, as an infant. There was not that in my upbringing. There was not. I remember um, being left in a crib crying. I remember that. I don't remember there being comfort um, and it's it speaks to me in a way that's like oh, and therefore like I it's like oh, okay yeah that explains a lot <laughs> that explains a lot, um, and I have experienced that as an adult yeah. with my husband and my child. I feel that's where I feel safe. Great. That's where I feel loved. Great. It's like I had I created it for myself. Great. Um, but yet there is still that it's it's sad it's sad to reflect and think, Oh right, all oh, right, that didn't happen. Okay. Now I remember why I suffer. Yeah. So I'm just aware of that and I appreciate the the reflection. Thanks. Thank you so much for bringing that up and and also the the wisdom and self-nurturing that you have done as an adult to create that for yourself. Because it doesn't matter when it happens. When the wisdom is there to create it for yourself as an adult with your husband, with your partner, and do that self-nurturing, it's, it creates that safe space. It's that feeling of safety that the mind can then go into when there is difficulty. It doesn't matter when, they were, when, when it was created, whether as a child or as an adult. It's, it's there, that feeling of safety is there. So I applaud you, you creating that for yourself as an adult. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. One more reflection. Right behind you, George. So um, um, I I was amazed at how much I felt um, comforted by going into the meditation, and um, there were times when I didn't have a memory. Also, because I have a parent that died very young, 
and um, and I try to remember. But then after the whole meditation, I felt so rested and comfortable. And I, I do believe that by putting my mind in that state and feeling it, even if it didn't happen, it, it, it did make a difference. Yeah, great. Thank you. Great. I appreciate all of the reflections, and particularly what's highlighted with the last couple of shares is, is how important, um, how fundamental in, 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 in practice it is to, ha- to, to tap into that safe place, no matter whether it's imagined, whether it's created as an adult, or whatever it is. That, that place of safety. I mean, if you've done metta practice, loving-kindness practice, the very first, um, um, the, the first out of the four reflections is, may I be safe, or may you be safe. And for the longest time, or actually, at the very beginning of my, my practice, I was confused. Well, okay, I, I understand may you be happy, I understand may you be healthy, I understand may your life flow with ease, but may you be safe? What's up with that? It took me a while to really get how fundamental that feeling of safety is to everything else. Everything else really builds on top of that feeling of safety. So tapping into that, also the, the practice of compassion and self-compassion, uh, especially self-compassion, really builds on tapping into that feeling of safety. And it could just be a memory of you or, or a conjured up memory, and this is what I used to use a lot of times in, in the practice, was, was just an image of myself lying in bed under the covers, my favorite place, feeling really safe when it's raining outside. So I'm feeling safe and protected and warm. And just this feeling of the body completely softening and letting go. And, and that is accessible to to all of us who have a roof over our head and a warm blanket. That feeling of safety and being protected. So bringing the mind to that, really noticing that, creating a mental memory of that. So I invite you tonight as you go to bed, really relish that feeling of comfort and safety in your bed, if you can, if that's a condition that's available to you. Just make a mental memory, a mental note of that. So with that, I'd like to, to switch gears and, and offer a couple of more reflections. So I want to take you back on the plane again. You th- so I'm back on the plane. So, so with the reflection on safety... The mind has has more stability now. And then there's another tool that that my wisdom mind decides to pull out of the tool bag, and that's called the voice of another. So let me read a short part of a sutta for you. It's called the Gosa Sutta from Anguttara Nikaya. Monks. There are, these, there are these two conditions for the rising of right view. Which two? The voice of another and appropriate attention. These are the two conditions for the arising of right view. 
So appropriate attention, I felt I had done by bringing my mind to my breath, stability in the body, uh, trying to create a feeling of safety, tapping into that body. The, vo- the voice of another is when another friend, a wise friend, or a Dharma talk recorded on audio drama or Dharma seed can come to your rescue. So on the plane, as I was still in the mode of recovery with the high fever and chills and all of that, I started to play the, these Dharma talks by my mentor and teacher, Gail Fronstall, whose voice I, I find um, very soothing and, and his Dharma I, I find very incisive. So thankfully they were uploaded on my um, uh, iPhone part of, what is it called, um, podcast, part of podcast, they were already uploaded. So I was listening to them, many, many talks. It didn't matter what the talk was about. Um, I think I talked, listened to a talk on karma, listened to a talk on, on compassion. So by, by the end of all of this, my mind was back in the green zone. It wasn't in the red zone of having no place to land. It was squarely in the green zone. Um, so there was some, these were some tools um, from the tool bag that, uh, that, that in this case, I was able to pull out to bring back the mind and the body back to the green zone that I wanted to share with you. And Another thing I also wanted to say is, from the sutta, um, appropriate attention, as well as the voice of another. So appropriate attention, our attention is the most valuable resource we have. Depending on where we put our attention, our mind, our mind stream can be completely affected. So instead of choosing to listen to these Dharma talks that really calmed and soothed and brought me back to, to a place of stability, I could have you know, watched some, some movie to completely distract myself, which at sometimes that might be the wise thing to do. But in this case, it wasn't. I've also noticed that there are times when, um, since I've been practicing a lot more, I've become a lot more um, um, aware of of what happens in my mind stream. If I watch a movie that that has a lot of anger, the day after, just feelings of anger start to arise in my mind. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed? So just it's so. It's just so important where where we put our attention, where I choose to put my attention. So, so we have a little bit of time left, and there is a lot of wisdom in the room. And I wanted to ask you if there are some ways that you have, um, some resources that you have. Actually, let's do do just a moment of reflection. If you would just close your eyes for a moment. And reflect on 
when your body and mind are in the red zone, when there is no place to land in sight, when the mind is really upset, disturbed, sad, angry, whatever, just in difficult states, when the body is in a difficult state, What are some practice resources you've used? To find your way back to the island of stability as you're tossing about in tumultuous waves. Or are there some resources that you're inspired to employ and use? you would open your eyes. Given that there is so much wisdom in this room, it would be lovely to hear from a few people. Thanks, Olga. So if you would be willing to share some resources that you've used, you have. I'm going to start with people who haven't spoken before. Yes. Hi. Yeah, hand up here. So, um, what I do is I, uh, I have a tendency to blame things on myself. Um, so when things go awry, it's my fault. And what I've learned to do is... Um, just gently not blame myself, you know, just uh, cultivate um, like kind awareness of the situation uh, and also not blame others for, you know, wreaking whatever havoc they're wreaking at the moment um, because they've probably been traumatized as well. Mm. Um, I mean, nobody would want to feel bad. Mm. Um, so, so I just take myself away from it also. I just just get away from it and, um, you know, look at something else, listen to something else, think about something else, uh, but take my attention away from it, um, until I can come back to a place that's more centered and more satisfying, ultimately more satisfying. Great, thank you. Thanks. 
Um, so what I do, especially when I'm feeling like really crappy, is I sing. I make up really like horrendous songs about how horrible I feel in the moment. <laughs> and it totally works because I feel like, um, you know, all these nasty things that are coming up and all the tension, like, I notice my body has a tendency to like just contract and then I go like in my head and it goes so if I use my voice as a way to like open that up and express mm. like yeah mm. get it out great, great. <laughs> it really it, it's so interesting how fast it clears stuff up um, yeah so that's what I do lots of singing and screaming and grunting like ugh like those kind of sounds really like physiologically break up energy. Yeah. Yeah. So just like, hell. <laughs> That's what I do. Lovely. I should have tried that on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next time. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Thank you. immersing my is this on? Yeah. Yes. Immersing myself in nature. Mm. Watching birds, watching clouds, watching water. It's pretty easy to do here in Marin. We're rather blessed, overly blessed by that. But you know, taking myself out into nature. Yeah. Always a cure. Lovely. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, especially it it helps bring a sense of perspective. Nature. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I noticed that uh, finding a reason to cry, um, even if it's not uh, what I'm upset about, like it could be an old sappy country song, mm -hmm. but you know, just mm -hmm. kind of that, letting that letting that flow mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is really really helpful. Mm, letting the energetic really it's really it's the somatic energy flow through tears yeah yeah and i, I think especially as a as a male yeah it's it's uh you know i forget who robert bly i think said you know young boys don't cry so men can weep mm. you know and it's i think it's very true thank you Thank you. Beautiful. Over here. Um, I, I used to work as a, a nurse where I would see over the course of a year hundreds of people who were in pain and suffering. And I would remember that when I was having my own pain and suffering. Because if I could think of one person who had it worse than I had, mm. I felt a lot better. Mm. Because I realized that I had an encounter with that individual. And at the end of their encounter with me, we were both feeling a little bit better. Mm. So I figured if I could do that for someone I don't know, I could do it for myself. Nice. Thank you. Thank you.
I live on a little island up near Canada, and I moved there. I grew up here all my life, and I live in a tiny little island. Sometimes I miss my family and people. Um, I call my brother that's been to India many times, and, and he saves me by talking good dharma to me. But he said, don't be afraid. Stand in the wind naked and be, you know, be alone with yourself. It's okay. And um, I have stood up in the wind and the, and the rain there in Washington, uh, and I stood naked, and I, I took it. I, I said, go ahead. What am I afraid of, man? Come and get me, whatever. But I'm also afraid to be alone. I'm the youngest of six kids, so that was scary. But I do think of other folks that have suffered. I've been all over the world, and I've seen the beggars, and I've seen... India I've seen, I've been able to travel all over the world. So it, what this man just said is so true that there are so many other people that are suffering way worse than I could ever think of. And I, I pray for them and I try to feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It's, it's touching into the common humanity that you're not alone. No, no matter what predicament you're in, there are other people who have similar or worse predicaments. It's that common humanity, just like me, just like me. I'm sure there have been lots of people with a high fever and flu on an airplane before, just like me. Yeah, just so many wonderful nuggets of wisdom are coming out from, from the collective wisdom in this room, really humbling. Yes, please. Uh, music for me mm. has always kind of done it. I'm from New York originally, and uh, I came out here on my own. So, like, there's a lot of times when I'm very much on my own, and I'm generally okay with that. But when I listen to uh, my music, especially my favorite band, that just kind of brings me back and kind of s- sobers me out of whatever funk I could be in. Mm. So that's that's mine. Yeah, mm-hmm. power of music. Thank you. Yeah, I think there was a hand back there. Did I see a hand back there? Oh, yes. Yeah. I was wondering if we if we could um, hug each other before we leave, like a stranger. <laughs> mm. Yes. So I have a suggestion. So as we close, whoever wants to hug. We'll go over there. So, offer, <laughs> no, seriously, you can offer each other free hugs. How about that? Yeah, thanks for that suggestion. Yeah, yeah. Any other comments, questions? Yes, back there. Um, thank you for your talk particularly the appropriate attention part. Um, When I go off the deep end, sometimes I manage to have the appropriate attention, and then there's two things that help me. Um, One thing is to remind myself what I'm grateful for. That really, really helps. 
you know, because mm. I can get so complaining about my life. And what also helps is um, uh, to be with a friend, either mm. call a friend or to just go for a walk with a friend whom I trust will um, give me some wisdom, mm. space and wisdom and help me find my center again, you know. Just because sometimes I just need somebody else to help me. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Not just the voice of another, but the presence of another a lot of times. Sometimes even the hug from another. It's it's the, that that feeling of touch, that, that sense of being held. Yeah. This will be the last one. Yeah. I right, thank you. Um, it it almost goes out saying, but for me, I think it's coming to places like this, coming to class, um, you know, sharing the experience with everyone in a social setting, and I think that does more than I think we realize. Yeah. 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 Yeah, thank you for saying it. We're all in this together. We're all in this together, in this boat of humanity. We're all in this together. Yeah. So thank you all so much for sharing your attention tonight and coming out to practice and sit together and share your wisdom. So let's just take a moment to to share the merit of our practice together. May the merit of our shared practice together tonight in this group, in this beautiful Sangha, where we're all connected with each other through the bond of common humanity. May our practice together, our reflections, our meditations, may they be a cause and condition for for liberation and awakening of all beings everywhere, including ourselves. so much. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.